When we're telling the story of the past, we're also telling the story of the future. And that everything that we think and believe at a deep level and everything that we feel is creating a ripple effect that is designing the future that we are co-creating with creation. This is a voice for you that have known what it is to be sad and submerged in a depth enveloped in darkness and apparently without a clear direction. This is a voice for you that from some point of your being, you have raised the cry of help to whoever can hear you in this universe. This is a voice for you that just like the caterpillar or the lotus, you are ready to be reborn and flourish, sustained by the glory, beauty, and power of the love of this universe that is contained forever in your heart. Welcome to the Ancestral Knowledge Podcast. Hi friends and welcome to today's episode, which is a conversation between me and a friend of mine, Altair Kambata. She is someone who walks the walk as far as teaching what she has personally learned through her life experience, which involves the unexpected death of her brother, being in a quote-unquote successful career where she felt overwhelmed and unfulfilled, and experiencing health issues that were taking a toll on her body. We talk about the most difficult time in her life and where it led her, what she does to stay in alignment with well-being, what is her philosophy on life and a message for her younger self and for all of us that is full of wisdom. So let's meet Altair and begin our conversation. Thank you so much, Laura. It's so fun to be able to chat with you here in person together in Colombia. We've known each other for over 10 years now, I think, um, which is really special that our paths have continued to run kind of parallel to one another's. And um, I, yeah, so my name's Altair Cambata. I'm a clinical herbalist and nutritionist. I've also been trained in flower essence therapy and past life soul regression. And I primarily coach clients one-on-one, looking at all different areas of their lives from the physical to the emotional, mental, and spiritual. And uh, we dial in all of those aspects so that I can see folks really attempt to blossom into their full potential in this lifetime. And that's really what I believe in, in terms of my work, is seeing people feel well. And the the consequences of that, of course, are transformational, not only for their own lives, but I find also their work and all of their relationships. Beautiful. That's the most gratifying thing to do. And one thing I forgot to mention is that we are actually here in retreat in Colombia with ceremonies and plant medicines. And so this is a really beautiful space to share this or let you guys into our conversation. So you get a little bit of a feeling of everything that we have been doing here. So the first question I wanted to ask Altair is what has been an event or an experience in your life that has changed the course of your life? And what was that experience like? And what did it teach you? Yeah, it's such a beautiful question because I feel like so many of us have these moments which are the archetypal call to adventure, the call to the work that will become the work for the rest of our lives. And I I mean, I've had so many transformative moments in ceremony with you all, um, which, of course, you know, have completely altered and shifted the threads of the tapestry of my life, as you all love to say, and that is the case. But I'd have to say that, you know, my real call to adventure happened at a time in my life where my life, honestly, it looked amazing on paper. And if I told you at the time that I was working for incredible nonprofit organizations like the United 
donations and the World Wildlife Fund. I had been working for little nonprofits called, uh, one was called Photo Voice, where we were teaching marginalized groups around the world how to use cameras to document their life experience and then be able to show that to decision makers, authority figures, other members of the community. You know, these were all really fulfilling projects to contribute to. Um, but I found that I was feeling incredibly drained. You know, I thought that I was going to be in the field of international development my whole life. And as soon as I completed my master's degree and got into the professional industry of aid and and looking specifically at climate vulnerability, I, I just realized I was, I was really struggling. And I had all these questions and all this shame and guilt around thinking that, well, there must be something wrong with me if I'm not appreciative of these opportunities to work for these organizations. But I just found, you know, I wouldn't have been able to put this into words now um, like I, or then like I could now. But it was such a competitive atmosphere and the work environment was really toxic in a lot of ways. There was a pervasive kind of scarcity mindset. Everyone was scrambling for funding all the time. It was incredibly stressful. People working for these organizations, I found that they weren't always cared for or encouraged to support themselves first in healthy ways and people were drained and you know all day long we were focusing on the problems that are going on in the world and these challenges are real but I was getting really sick and I was also in a relationship with a guy um, which again it looked amazing on paper he came from a very prominent political family his family had a lot of resources I was traveling all over the world I was living in some pretty incredible places but that relationship was not enriching in the way that I've come to understand now you know relationships can be so deeply nurturing and I was really struggling to find myself in that relationship and feel well and I also had all of these you know I think I looked pretty healthy from the outside but on the inside I had all these mysterious health problems going on and there weren't any medical doctors who could help me my digestion was totally warped I was tired all the time and moody and I did not feel well yeah in my own skin and so all of this was going on underneath the surface and then in the fall of 2016 my older brother passed away unexpectedly of a heart attack and he was such a beloved soul we'd never had a single fight in our entire life to me he was such a positive example of masculinity and just so supportive of my own life path and my life choices and none of us saw this coming and he passed and so at this time where I felt like wow I was already struggling in so many other aspects of my life and then I lost him I really had to ask the important questions and to me the questions that are the only questions that really matter which is you know how am I going to live my life and what is the meaning of of my life and so I had to do a complete reshuffle and I went inside and really within the first three weeks I think after my brother's passing I surrendered completely and 
I, I was like a spiritual person in the sense that I appreciated spiritual literature and I would be going to yoga classes and I'd honestly been interested in exploring a spiritual path since I was really young but I hadn't really given myself over to it you know I felt like I still had to pursue like a very legitimate quote-unquote career path but at that moment I just thought wow you know like the universe if you are listening if you can hear me you know I need help and I see that I need help and uh, I give you complete and full permission I surrender to any assistance that you can provide in terms of showing me what I need to do next and so that was when that was my moment I was sitting quietly alone and thinking about my life and looking at the story of my life and thinking I really want to tell a different story about my life and I channeled or intuited or received a message somehow that seemed like something beyond myself which was you know you've you've traveled around the world and you've seen how all of these indigenous traditions are disappearing you've seen how what climate change is doing to the planet you've seen how plant life is struggling and animal life is disappearing and you know instead of academically documenting all of that choose a path where you are going to embody and sustain something that is at risk study plant medicine and that came through really strongly for me and I at the time thought well you know I'm a white chick and I'm not allowed to do that and I'm not going to do that and but at the same time I just remembered I'd always had this curiosity in the plant world and to learn that plants can do things medicinally to me that was like magic you know we have all this magic around us all the time and we're looking at plants I'd spent so much time in nature I thought I really want to know what I want to know that when I look out at the landscape it's not just all different shades of green in fact it's thousands and thousands of different components that interact with human physiology in a way that we are underappreciated drastically as a species and so I went online and typed in herbalism school thinking that all that would come up was like Hogwarts and that it didn't actually exist and you know what was so incredible is that one of the best clinical herbalism schools in the country ended up being only three hours away from where I was living I was in Aspen Colorado at the time and in Boulder uh, there is just this incredibly sophisticated two-year program that looks into the clinical application of plant medicine and I had a couple phone calls with people who run the school and I just went for it I didn't have anything to lose at that point you know and I think that I had to be in that place of like I have nothing to lose I completely surrender I can only follow my heart that's all I know how to do and everything's unfolded really magically since then so I'm so glad I made that choice yeah amazing that is so beautiful and inspiring how difficult life experiences after you look back on them end up being a huge gift in our lives and that is what we have learned in our own lives and what we have learned with many people that we have encountered is that those difficult experiences are what propels us it ends up being the huge gift in our life so thank you for sharing that and um, now my other question is so now in this point in your life and after all of the knowledge you have and all the growth that you have experienced what would you say is your philosophy for life yeah this is such a fabulous question because I feel like if I ever write a book with a thousand pages then it might be about this very subject so I don't really know how to 
distill it. Except that, wow, I mean, the message that I really resonate with at the moment and that I love to share with people is that it is okay and right and important for you to be having fun and experiencing joy and experiencing freedom in your life. Because what I found is that even if everything looks amazing on paper, if that heart resonance isn't also there guiding and supporting you and and shining the way for the next choices that you're going to be making, then it just feels empty. And I, there was something about my life. I must have learned at a young age that to give and to be of service is to also make sacrifices and suffer to a certain extent. And I built up so much armor and I built up so much strength around being able to look at the world and you know from a very young age I just the fact that we threw things in a trash can and I asked people then well where does the trash from the trash can go and adults didn't have very good answers other than we just put it in a bigger trash can somewhere you know this sort of thing drove me nuts (laughs) so I grew up um really just resistant um, to the way that things are and needing to change them and waking up every day and focusing on, yeah, what's disappearing and just this heartbreak. And I'm sure, I mean, so many people who come to your retreats and follow your meditations and your and your podcasts, they also are sensitive to what's happening in the world. And what I realized when I made the shift from studying international development and actually working on aid and development projects out in the world and then after my brother passed and I realized there was so much that came to the surface with the grief of losing someone so beloved and important to me that I I looked at my life and it just seemed like so tangled all these knots tangled that I needed to slowly unravel And that the real work and the real impact that I was going to make on the world, I just realized it had to start within myself. And that none of the work that I could do externally would be truly vital and vibrant and of service with the impact and the magnitude that I really wanted to make until I could look at you know, how how I was living and what thoughts and programs and stories were looping uh, behind all of my choices. And so I, you know, I, I'm not saying that it's an easy thing to do that work, um, but, but it is a lot easier than giving up your life to some other system. The real system, the only one that matters is the relationship between your own soul and creation. And so, you know, my philosophy, I suppose, is it's worth it. It's worth it to go inside and do the work um, because in the long run, you're going to have the capacity to hold so much more joy and ease and freedom. And that's where we really want to be. That is the probably, I'd say it's the biggest impact we can have is when we're vibrating at this place of of these higher joyous frequencies. And we can't do that until we go in and let go of the things that are holding us back or those chains around our ankle that, you know, we're capable of flying really high, but when there's some some stuff uh, holding us 
down or as the heavy stuff that we're carrying, then yeah, we, we can't, we can't fly. And so, yeah, I want to fly and I want to see other people fly. And I, I want to see people approaching the challenges on this earth with still joy and peace and love and harmony in their hearts, because that's how we can really impact the collective is really just, it's prioritizing our own work and our own souls and our own happiness. Yes, completely agree with that. It's so important. And that actually leads us very well into our next question, which is, so how do you find ways to nourish yourself? What are your self-care practices that you could recommend to other people, like things that they could begin to implement in their life that could help them or lead them to more well-being and harmony and balance and that connection within that we all need? Yeah, really important question. I I love that that we can talk about this. So, you know, when I first made the switch from having a career working with these huge, you know, bureaucratic institutions that are household names, and I knew that my career was taking a completely different turn when I moved to Boulder to basically undertake an apprenticeship with some very scientifically sophisticated witches. <laughs> I, I, um, I had a, a dramatic lifestyle change as well and I had to kind of go back to square one in terms of you know going back to school I, not as many resources were coming into my experience and I was just studying again and um, and of course you know a lot comes up around taking a big risk like that and having to explain that risk to my family and my community and to continue to give myself permission um, to pursue this work just because it made me happy. And so at that time, I thought, okay, well, how am I going to support myself while I'm in school? How am I going to make sure that this is a worthwhile endeavor? And in the past, I would have thought, okay, well, I just have to be working really hard all the time. And the more hard that I work, then the better the outcome will be. But something inside revealed <laughs> that this you know, was just such old wave thinking and that I was exploring a very different way of being. And what I learned from various teachers and incredible influences in my life was that the more times in a day where I could find moments to feel better, that that emotional, vibrational resonance would attract more opportunities for me to feel better, whether it had to do with, you know, choose having a living environment or situation that felt nourishing and supportive and safe, having the resources that I needed to complete my studies, meeting the people who would come into my life who would also be positive influences who would support my work. So really, you know, what I love to share with my clients and what I love to share with people more generally is just find as many excuses in the day to feel good. And because I had to do that with zero money for such a long time, I got really good at finding ways to do that for free. And so some of my favorite things are really simple. You know, like I have a playlist that I'm constantly adding music to. I love music. Anytime I'm in the car and, you know, sometimes I'm having to drive long distances or run errands that seem really tedious, but my music immediately just makes me feel really good. And there was, you know, in the past I would have been like, okay, well, how do I maximize the productivity of this time? And I would have listened to a book or a 
podcast or something academic or scholarly. And I do still do that sometimes when it feels like that's going to be the really joyous option. But if it doesn't feel joyous, I would much rather listen to my music. So I just, you know, that's one of the, the things I do or go for a walk. And I used to live in a place where I could walk down the road and there was like a little donkey that lived in a, in a tiny little farm. And I would just go and pet the donkey for a couple minutes. And, you know, that I my inner child loved that. And I I love to walk, of course, in nature. Like just go to nature. This is a way to drown out of the noise of the day and come back to the magic of um, of the life that surrounds us. And who knows what little treasures you might find out there. And um, when you're fully present in nature, you embrace the simplicity of of the present moment. And I think that's really important as well is to just find ways to stay present and to feel amazing. You know, if you're if someone says, oh, do some self-care, go to the spa. Well, what if you don't really like the spa or you don't really feel like being around a bunch of other people or, you know, interacting with folks um, going at you? It just it, it has to feel good. This is the point is like self-care doesn't need to look like I don't think it needs to look like taking a bubble bath and, and setting it all up when you know that it's going to stress you out to like clean out the bath afterwards or something like that. It's much better, I think, to um, honestly, just daydreaming goes a long way as well. And just imagining, visualizing, feeling into what you really want. I, I had a really active imagination as a kid and I'm so glad I did because I feel like it really serves me now in attracting the situations that um, I'm hoping to attract because when you can feel fully into a daydream about something you like and just think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if... And then getting lost for 20 or 30 minutes in a daydream, to me, that's self-care. So yeah, I guess um, it's going to look different for for everyone, but just do things that help you to feel free. Just feel free. Whether that's going for a long drive and getting lost and listening to music or going for a walk or... Yeah, there, there's so much that is available to us in each moment. We don't need any accessories. Yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Beautiful. I really love the part about feeling free. Mm-hmm. And feeling free is so important because our fear limits us a lot. So when we are able to feel free, it's like we are expanding our consciousness, our awareness, and really tapping into the infinite possibilities of life and the universe and our potential as human beings. Yes, I totally agree. And, you know, if I could add to that with just one really practical thing that I like to do that this might be helpful for others is I like to go for a walk somewhere beautiful. I'm really fortunate enough. I live in a beautiful area of Switzerland at the moment, right on the lake. And I love to go for walks along the lake. And I make a practice of, you know, for 20 or 30 minutes, I try to do this every day. I walk along the lake and I think of everything that I'm grateful for and I might start with really simple things like I'm so grateful for my body and my legs and being able to see and being able to walk and being able to breathe and from there I just think of all of the other magical the things that feel like magic you know the the person that you met 
um, uh, coincidentally at the coffee shop and had a fun conversation with earlier in that day or the fact that a friend reached out to you out of the blue or that you found something on sale that you'd been really looking for and feeling into the gratitude and just trying to go with like a stream of consciousness and without getting distracted focus on what you love and what you're grateful for while also enjoying like a beautiful view at the same time and then kind of toward the end of the walk I start thinking and feeling into the things that I would love to come into my experience so I've built up this momentum of all this gratitude for everything that I'm already so happy about in my life and then from there I start to play a little bit and think oh wouldn't it be nice if you know my next living situation were a bit closer to nature and uh, wouldn't it be nice if um, I had some new clients come into my experience who were just so eager and curious to do the work and that became my my friends and and wouldn't it be so nice if I could travel to back to Indonesia and see my friends in Indonesia and, and feeling into the details of how good it would be to buy the ticket and show up and smell the humidity and the fruits and the incense of Bali or to walk out of my apartment and you know be five minutes from a trailhead or something and I just feel into that without getting too attached to it you know it's just daydreaming but we, we both know that it's a lot more than that it's actually calling into creation exactly what you would like to come into your experience and then you know and I just let it be that and I and I let that walk come to a close and and I just let it it be what it is without then worrying about yeah whether those things will show up in my experience or not but of course the magic is that they do so you know to me that's the most powerful form of self-care is having some kind of a practice around gratitude and then that freedom of saying I can dream a dream and pursue that dream and this is what that dream feels like and to know that yeah creation can come knocking at your door with all kinds of surprises after doing an exercise like that exactly it's exactly like that it's pretty magical actually it's beautiful so my final question would be if you could say one thing to your younger self what would it be I love this question too and this is kind of a tough one because it's like if I went back in time and I told my younger self something would I have been able to hear it you know maybe I I heard these things when I was younger I heard so many things like follow your bliss follow your dreams do what makes you happy and these kind of like glib cliches that you doubt and struggle with and fight against and resist but but which are actually like deep and profound truths in the nature of life you know so it's like what would I say that I could hear like I um I don't know if you remember from the University of Virginia, but Roy Wagner, Professor Roy Wagner, taught the class on Carlos Castaneda. And um, I would go to his class. It was one of my favorite classes. And I would sit in the very front row, right in the middle, right in front of him and listen to all his stories. And he was so magical. And we read all of the Castaneda books and analyzed them. And and I would leave, I would always leave his class feeling really potent. And honestly, I felt so much 
much more alive in his classes than I did the classes that I felt like were the important ones, which were like foreign affairs and international relations. And, um, you know, as an anthropology student, which you were as well, you know, it's kind of hard to think, well, how do I, how do I allow myself to be an anthropologist in the 21st century? Like, isn't anthropology dead? You know, and so I, I answered that question by saying, well, you know, there's all this, you know, international aid work and development work I can do. And, but really my favorite classes were the ones where we talked about indigenous cosmology and you and I met in Edith Turner's class on shamanism and, and Roy Wagner's class again was again one of these really magical anthropology classes and I would leave his class feeling amazing and I'd go to the bus stop and, and I'd wait for the bus and sometimes he'd walk past and he'd look at me and he'd say something like, oh yeah, you're a woman of the north wind, the north wind. And the reason why this was important in the Castaneda series, the the brujas or the, the female sorcerers, the witches that um, are under the apprenticeship or the tutelage of Don Juan, they each, their personalities correspond to a different wind and the different winds have all of these different personality traits. And so basically what Roy Wagner would do is like he'd walk by and the next week he'd walk by me at the bus stop and he'd say, no, 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 Western wind, a woman of the West you know and he was trying to put his finger on which was my personality type and and I just loved that so much until the point where he walked by and he, and he said something like no you know what I think you're a Nahual and the Nahual of course is like like Carlos Castaneda was the Nahual they they carry all four directions inside of them they don't correspond with like a particular wind or a direction or personality they they have all of them and so I was like really moved and touched by this and and he said you should really come to my office hours sometime and we should chat more and so I went to I eventually went to his office and he had this poster or it wasn't really a poster he had handwritten on this piece of paper large piece of paper above his desk memory has nothing to do with the past it has everything to do with arranging the future and I remember that and it had been like a riddle in my life for years and so this is why it's like yes if I could go back and tell my younger self something it would probably be exactly that but it took me a really long time to figure out what it meant. And so if I could go back and like have a coffee with myself and really sit myself down and explain the mechanics of what this means, then I would. You know, I think that I've finally come to realize that when we're telling the story of the past, we're also telling the story of the future. And that everything that we think and believe at a deep level and everything that we feel is creating a ripple effect that is designing the future that we are co-creating with creation. And that is the most powerful thing that I think anyone can know because it doesn't matter where you are in life. You can be starting from scratch. You can be starting from zero after hitting rock bottom. I know because I was there. You can design a new future for yourself immediately starting from right now. If all you do is realize that the more you focus on the past, it's like you're going for a walk and you're thinking about the future and you're thinking about all the beautiful things that you want to call into your life, the relationship, the resources, the travel, whatever. And then you start thinking about your horrible 
possible ex-partner or the fact that you don't have enough money to do these things. It's like you're walking, you had been walking in, in one direction toward the things that you want and then you immediately just started, turn, you just turned around and started walking in the opposite direction right back to where you were coming from. And it happens, I mean, that's the quantum nature of reality is that as soon as we start focusing on the past and what we don't want, we're moving in that direction immediately. So, you know, I, it's like I could go back in time and tell myself something like, go to herb school sooner or don't get messed up in that relationship or drink less coffee or all of these things that like ultimately, yes, would have, I guess, have been beneficial. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I'm really happy even for all of, of course, like the dark moments in my life, they've created who I am today. But if, yeah, I could tell myself one important thing. And honestly, if I could in every school system in the world have every child on earth learn this fact, I mean, what, how, what a powerful tool. Wow, that is so amazing. I love that. I'm going to definitely take that with me <laughs> from here on forward. I really like that phrase. Thank you so much, Altair. It's been really, really nice speaking with you and everything that was spoken here, I think, is really beneficial. And I hope that it serves many people if you're listening. Thank you for joining and always wish all the blessings for you. We are sending all our love mm. from the jungles of Colombia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we'll talk next week. Yeah, lots of love to you guys. Thanks for listening. Ciao.